Welcome to the Yoga for Mental Health podcast. I'm your host, Catherine of Yoga Naraska. I'm a certified yoga teacher who has suffered from chronic and mental illness for many years. I approach health topics from a scientific, evidence-based position, with a little yogic flair. Please note that I'm not a medical professional and the information provided is not meant to be taken as medical advice. I'm simply here to provide factual information along with anecdotal evidence for myself and my guests. In this season, we'll be focusing on premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD. This is a chronic and debilitating mood disorder that affects one in 20 menstruators. Join me as we discuss how yoga can be supportive in your health as you aim to feel your best. Hey, Catherine here from Yoga Naraska. We have been discussing the menstrual cycle and the impacts on mental health. Specifically, we've been talking about premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD. I'll put the link to the PMDD episode in the show notes. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about it, you can check that episode out as well. So today we are gonna be discussing um, menstruation, of course, uh, but a little bit more specifically about the menstrual cycle. So we're gonna talk a little bit about um, the menstrual cycle education that we get in schools and a little bit about the menstrual phase itself. There are actually four phases of the menstrual cycle. We're just going to be talking about one today and that is the menstrual phase. So probably the one that you're most familiar with, what we tend to call here in society the period. So we're going to be talking about periods today. I do find that our sexual and reproductive education in elementary and high school can be quite lacking. Most people in school are just sort of taught basic female anatomy. The fact that people with female reproductive organs tend to have a period about once a month, either until they get pregnant or they hit menopause at around the age of 40 or 50. It is sort of common knowledge that periods can cause people to be a little bit moody. And there's sort of a cultural trope about being on the reg or that time of the month feeling a little bit moody. And it's sort of just used as an excuse to blow off people who uh, menstruate as being irrational. But there's so much more going on with menstruators' bodies at this time. And in school, this is when you know we're starting to hit puberty and there's so many different things happening to our body and it's really important for people who menstruate to be armed with this information and to not just be constantly surprised every month when they uh, all of a sudden are bleeding and might not be prepared and don't have the menstrual products or they don't understand why you know one week out of the month they might be feeling totally overwhelmed and having trouble handing in their homework and maintaining relationships with friends and meeting any of their responsibilities really. For most of my young life I would just be constantly surprised when my period would show up. <laughs> uh, usually I would be quote-unquote lucky enough to uh, experience some cramps in the days before so I would know it was coming and I tended to carry menstrual products around with me. But I didn't chart my period, I didn't know about the different phases of the menstrual cycle. All I really knew was that sometimes I would be really sad and then a couple days later I'd be in pain and I'd have a period. But there's way more to it and I would really like to pass on this knowledge to uh, the younger generation so that they can be a little bit more self-aware about what's going on with themselves. And if I had this knowledge earlier, maybe it would have helped me to realize that I was experiencing um, something that was outside of the normal range. Um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I didn't know that I had it until probably my 20s or so um, and I spent a good amount of time in my, my late teen years being very confused about what was going on with me. So let's talk a little bit about the menstrual cycle and some facts associated with uh, menstruating bodies. I do want to mention that I uh, discuss them as menstruating bodies and people with female reproductive organs because not everyone that menstruates identifies as a woman. 
Um, some people are born female with female reproductive organs and then you know later transition or are gender fluid or are non-binary um, and although they might not identify um, with being a woman or presenting as a woman, they might still have these organs that are um, causing certain symptoms to happen within their bodies. This is really important, especially in the PMDD community, because we already experience um, dysphoria. It's right in the title, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, so dysphoria is the opposite of euphoria. So euphoria is feeling amazing and really good and everything's perfect. And dysphoria is the opposite. It's a, a state of severe discomfort and dis-ease and everything feels terrible in the world. <laughs> and so if you have PMDD, you know what that feels like. But people who identify somewhere differently along the gender spectrum, um, I don't even wanna say spe spectrum because that makes it sound like it's like man and then like woman, um, and then you're something in between. It's more of like a, a network you can, in terms of gender, you can basically be anywhere on this sort of fluid <laughs> network blob of gender. So I don't want to say spectrum, I shouldn't use that word. But people who don't necessarily identify as women or even as men um, also tend to experience something called gender dysphoria, where their body might feel a certain way and might be doing certain things that they don't feel aligned with who they are as a person. And so obviously I feel that way um, as I identify as a woman, but I don't necessarily enjoy or um, really want to be feeling any of the things that are happening in my body. I can only imagine how much worse that would be for someone who feels like and would like to present as a different gender, um, yet all these things are still happening to them. So that might just be another level of dysphoria and I can't even imagine that. So I just wanna give a shout out to anybody out there who might be struggling with PMDD or just menstrual cycles in general, who don't identify as women, I see you. I would love to hear more about your experiences. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, please leave me a note in the comments or send me a private message or email. I would really love to learn more about your experience because it is valid and I'm sure you're dealing with so much more than uh, I can even imagine. So I'd really value your input. And if not, just wanted to let you know that I see you and I respect you and thank you for being here. So let's get into it. You might be aware that people with female organs tend to start menstruating between the ages of 10 and 16 or so. This is called puberty, when sex hormones are starting to really start to flow through the body, coming from the pituitary gland in the brain and causing all sorts of physiological changes in the body. When someone with these reproductive organs starts to bleed vaginally, um, we call this a, a period. Uh, it actually is called menstruation or the menstrual phase of the menstrual cycle. And the first time this happens, it's known as a menarche. So you might be familiar with the term menopause, so the stopping of menstruation, menopause. Um, menarche is actually the term for beginning menstruation. So that's what happens at puberty when someone with these organs begins to bleed for the first time. So this bleeding, which we'll talk about a bit more later, usually happens for about two to seven days, depends on uh, the person, depends on the amount of blood that they normally shed, and it just depends sometimes month to month depending on stress levels and lots of other things that we'll also discuss later. So, and this happens repeatedly over generally 21 to about 35 days. Most, most people are on a, a 28 day cycle, then again, varies with the person and it can vary month to month. And this repeats over and over 
and over and over again about 450 times in the average menstruator's life and usually carries on till the person is in their 40s or 50s in which time they stop bleeding and after you've gone a whole year without any bleeds whatsoever you have officially entered menopause and this sort of period between where your your periods are slowing down you might have one you might skip one you might have a couple per year that's known as perimenopause so like almost menopause you're getting towards that stage so you're probably familiar with most of this information but what we aren't commonly taught about is the impact of these hormones that are constantly circulating through our bodies and how they can impact our physical mental and emotional health you might not also be aware of the change in fertility throughout the month it is not actually um, equally as likely every single day of the cycle to get pregnant. There are some days where you are more likely and some days when you are less likely. And you might not also be aware of the many menstrual disorders and illnesses and diseases of the reproductive organs. So we're gonna discuss a little bit more of that at the end. So as I mentioned, most education about menstruation just focuses on the period. So that one week of time when someone is bleeding. Um, but that's actually not true. It's not just like there's a period and then you know a non-period time and then a period and then a non-period time. That's just not how it works. There's actually four phases of the menstrual cycle. So I'll take you through each of those and we'll talk a little bit more about what's happening in that phase, the symptoms, and how you can best care for yourself. So let's begin talking about the menstrual phase. So this is the period that we've been talking about. And contrary to popular belief, what is leaving the body isn't necessarily just blood. So what's actually happening is that the uterine lining or the endometrium has built up throughout the course of the previous cycle and because an egg from one of the ovaries has not been fertilized, um, there is signals sent by hormones throughout the body to contract the uterus, to dispel this material from the uterus through the vagina and out into the world. So we can create a new environment for a new lining to come, a new egg to come to be fertilized. So day one of the menstrual cycle happens on the first day that blood is present. And this discharge that leaves the body is made up of blood, tissue, endometrium, blood clots, all sorts of stuff. So it's not just blood, there's there's lots of other little pieces of, of things. As most menstruators will be able to tell you, um, not that they show you in tampon commercials or anything because we have this idea that uh, menstrual blood is shameful for some strange reason. You don't really hear um, nurses or anything saying that you know nosebleeds are <laughs> are shameful and that you should hide the blood from your nose nosebleeds. It's just one of those tools that we use to shame women in our patriarchal society and it's really silly and we just move past that. So, so yes, I will refer to it as blood, but there are other components to it. I just wanted to be really clear about that. And as I mentioned, the shedding of lining happens over two to seven days. Um, sometimes a person will be clockwork, always have it um, for, you know, three days or four days. Some people might, you know, some cycles have a three day bleed and then the next cycle will have a seven day bleed. It really just sort of depends. So it depends on your body and you know, the things that you've been eating, the things that you've been doing and your stress levels and the medications that you're having can really impact the amount that is leaving your body in this menstrual phase. This is also the time of the month, or the cycle I should say, where the hormones are at their lowest. So we're talking about estrogen, progesterone, and even the um, stimulating hormones that come from the pituitary, such as the luteinizing hormone and the follicle stimulating hormone. This is sort of when everything is at their lowest level. So some symptoms that you might experience in this phase of the menstrual cycle include 
some continued cramping um, from the week previous. We'll talk about the premenstrual phase towards the end. Um, but there are these hormones called prostaglandins that are circulating through you know, the pelvic area, and they are what causes the uh, uterine wall, which is made of muscle, to contract. So it's squeezing, 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 the uterus is squeezing, and that's what's loosening up everything that's inside of the uterus and expelling it throughout the body. But the prostaglandins don't always just necessarily target the uterus. Sometimes they can um, be present in the bowels and the bladder and just general pelvic muscles causing these like intense contractions, which can obviously cause a lot of bowel changes. Some people find that they have uh, diarrhea or constipation that's very aggravated throughout this part of the cycle um, due to these prostaglandins squeezing the intestines. In fact, about 73% of menstruators find that they have changes in bowel habits during their menstrual phase. There might be some uh, increase in urgency and amount and frequency of urination. And if you're like me at least, um, you might find that you have uh, pretty extreme back pain as all of these muscles and ligaments are being contracted. Another common symptom in this phase is fatigue. In the premenstrual phase, sometimes there can be um, quite some disruption in appetite and sleeping patterns, which can cause uh, nutrient deficiencies and sleep deficits, which might contribute to you feeling quite fatigued. And of course, diarrhea can contribute to fatigue as well, um, because we are not uptaking those nutrients properly. And you know, if you've been emotional in the week before your period, um, sometimes it can take a couple days for you to sort of recover if you've had you know, a couple bouts of crying or an argument with somebody that you love or a disappointment at work or at school um, that was caused by sort of those changes in emotions happening in the premenstrual week, you're probably gonna be pretty tired in this phase and feeling like you need some rest and recovery. Someone with PMDD might feel quite um, emotionally exhausted in addition to that physical fatigue and physical exhaustion uh, in this menstrual phase because the premenstrual phase can be quite disruptive in terms of emotions. There can be anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, self-doubt, um, all of these just like feelings of perceived failure and not feeling good enough. Um, and with PMDD symptoms at least, they don't tend to go away at the very moment that you start menstruating. It can take a couple days into this bleeding phase for those symptoms to lighten up a little bit. So you might still have a couple of those hangover feelings of, um, of anxiety and depression and, and things like that. So in terms of self-care, it's really important to prioritize rest and relaxation. Obviously, if you're feeling um, in pain and quite tired, um, it's a good time to, you know, run a bath or a hot shower, um, just really spend some time in like sort of a warm environment um, just by yourself, really just starting to feel at calm and at ease and respecting your body's needs. Plus a warm bath or shower might also help with any pain that you might be feeling in your um, lower back or your lower abdomen and it might relieve any bloating or cramping that you still have going on. It's okay to say no to commitments. Um, it's okay to, in the months or the weeks prior, to purposely take time uh, out of your, your month um, to schedule this week to be a low responsibility and to see if you can push things either before or after so that you, preferably after, so that you have this space and time to take for yourself. Some low impact exercise can also be really good, whether that be swimming or just walking, getting those endorphins going, uh, serotonin, 
Um, as I mentioned, our estrogen is really low at this time of the cycle and estrogen is actually really closely related to serotonin. So your serotonin levels might actually be a little bit lower in this phase of the cycle because your estrogen is also lower. So if you can get outside and get some sunlight and get some movement in your day, that might also help to boost your mood. This is my favorite time of the month to practice restorative or yin style yoga. This is a type of yoga that usually occurs very close to the floor. There's not a lot of like standing or balance poses. Um, it usually occurs very close to the mat. There's lots of props such as blankets, pillows, bolsters, blocks, straps, all that sort of things, things to support you. Um, you can literally do this style of yoga in bed with like a bunch of pillows. It's super, super easy, very relaxed, very slow paced. And it's basically just stretching muscles and then holding um, these poses for a very long time. So you might be lying on your back in bed and take one leg over the other leg and sort of have a little mini spinal twist. You might support your head or one of your knees at the pillow and then you would just hold this for, you know, five minutes or so um, and just slowly releasing those muscles in, in the back and releasing any tension and it can feel really, really good. And it's super easy to do. It doesn't require a lot of um, attention or effort. It's more of a, a self-care activity. Um, at this time of the cycle and that's totally okay if that's what you need. Your needs for exercise and for self-care and even just how you talk to yourself are going to change throughout the month and we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> we really don't. Um, so you can't always have the same expectations for yourself throughout the cycle and this is this is one of those times where it's okay to set down your expectations and some of your responsibilities if you can and say I need to take this time for myself because I need it <laughs> and that's okay it's not selfish it's self-care very important so did that sound familiar to you most people are very familiar with the menstrual phase um, out of all four phases of the menstrual cycle remember that there's three other ones that we're going to cover in uh, future episodes so stay tuned for that but I would love to hear your opinions in the comments or on social media please let me know what you thought of this or if there's any other facts that you can share or if there's things that you didn't know that you uh, discovered through this video or this episode as well, I have a extra special surprise for you. I have created a series of four mini classes for each phase of your menstrual cycle, and I will be releasing the menstrual phase one very, very shortly. So the way to get access to that is to join my mailing list and my Facebook group. I'll put the links below in the show notes in the description, and you can join my mailing list and I will send you your free menstrual mini yoga class. It's about 20 minutes to half an hour long. Um, great for your menstrual cycle. You can save it and come back to it whenever you need. Um, and if you're following along on there as well, I will be releasing the other phases, the other menstrual cycle phases and uh, their classes shortly. So, so please do join me there. I know uh, you're going to love this class because I put uh, a lot of love into it for you and I hope it helps to get you through your next menstrual phase. That's all for me today and stay tuned because we are going to be talking about the follicular phase in the next episode next week along with another follicular phase yoga class. Until next time.